You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. parable teaches us about doing more than giving monetarily. It speaks of personal interaction with and ministry to people in need. And those that failed to do so were consumed with their own affairs. None of those things mentioned are sin in and of themselves. Not wrong for your business to be moving. Not wrong for you to buy a field if God gives you the means to do it and it's not against His will. Certainly not wrong to get married. These are just things in life. God gives many good things in life, marriage, a home, work that you love. It's right to praise God for all the ways that He blesses you and provides. Yet Pastor Danny has a warning today for believers. Don't allow these good things in life to consume you, fill you, or draw you away from God. God gives good things to you to allow you to be more generous with your gifts. He doesn't provide so that you can hoard and hide. He blesses you in order that you will bless others with all that you've been given. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Matthew chapter 25 as he continues his message, Parables to Prepare Us. What have I done with the money that God gave me? And you might be thinking, God never gave me any money. Whoa, 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 whoa. David, when they were accepting offerings for the building of the temple, David said this, and I want you to say it with me. You ready? Here we go. Everything comes from you, and we've only given what comes from your hand. Here's what the Bible tells us. Deuteronomy tells us it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. And he's not talking about just the, the Christian or the person in the church. He's talking about even unbelievers. We'd have nothing if it wasn't for God. He gives the ability to produce wealth. Some make more than others. That's in the parable too. You got the minimum wage people, the lower uh, tier. Then you got the people with the five talents. Man, they're making five times as much. Then you got the people in the middle income. You got those guys. That's the two-talent people. The point of the parable is you got every, every type of person in terms of monetary value and what they earn in life. Uh, you got those at the bottom. Uh, you got those at the top. And you got those in between. And the parable tells us <laughs> the servant who did nothing with what God gave him, he was what the Bible calls lost. He's like the person in the first parable that doesn't have a relationship with God. He's never been born again. And so the one that did nothing for the master, for the master with the money, thrown out, darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Who? that's hell. Wow. The parable teaches us that the least, the least one can do 
if you're the real deal, is invest, invest from the monies God gives us for kingdom purposes. Biblically, biblically, and it's all over the Bible, especially the New Testament, uh, with the New Testament, then the primary investment for the Christian is the local church. I got all kind of verses. This is a sampling of them. Uh, Acts chapter 2, the early church. People sold things they didn't really need. They got an extra piece of land. They were moved by the Lord to sell it. They come and they give the money to the leadership of the church. And one of the things the leadership of the church did is give to people in need. And so benevolence ministry through the church. First Timothy 5, there was a group of widows that were put on a financial support list. Now, there were restrictions There were certain qualifications you had to have as a Christian widow to be put on that financial support list. But where did that money come from? Had to come from God's people. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 5 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. That word is financial remuneration, especially those whose job is preaching and teaching. That's me. The point is simply this. Staff of the church that direct the affairs of the church. It's the day-to-day operations of the church. They're to be supported. That's the point of the passage. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 makes it very clear. Those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And then Philippians 4, you have one of the missionaries sent out in the early church, great missionary, the apostle Paul and his team, and the church supported them. At least some churches did. And so you have global missions and what we call the Great Commission. But the least the real deal person can do is take of the monies that God gives us and invest it for kingdom causes, and the primary place of investment is the church. I started giving 10%. I believe that's the biblical standard. When I was 19 years old, when I first got saved, had $2,000 in the bank. That was a lot of money for a 19-year-old back in those days. I wrote a check for $200. I gave it to the church. I gave it to the Lord through the church. I gave it to the Lord through the church. And I've been trying to give at least a tithe ever since. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I, I find young people today, they're, Barna, that study group, you know, Barna, they, they say that the young people in the church today aren't nearly the giving uh, bunch that we were back in the day. And I'm like, why is that? That's wrong. Listen, you ought to start, you're working and you're starting out, you're working at McDonald's, you're flipping burgers, and you're a Christian, you ought to take a percentage of every paycheck and honor the Lord with it. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase, and do it What? no matter how much you make or, or don't matter how much you earn, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I asked myself, and I put it in here, why... Why is the wicked, lazy servant the one who made the lowest wages? Have you ever thought about that? I've been thinking about it. As I've been studying now for for days, I was thinking about it. And I couldn't come up with an answer. I said, Lord, why is the one that you say the wicked, lazy servant, the one that it's the lowest? He made less than anybody else. And then I felt like the Lord spoke to me at 3.35 Saturday afternoon, just before the Saturday night service. He spoke to me then because he wanted those Saturday night people to hear it. And you know what I thought in my spirit? And I believe it was from the Lord. I went back and I wrote down, because there is no excuse for unfaithfulness, no matter how much or how little one earns. There's no excuse for unfaithfulness, no matter how much or little one earns. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. 
He said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. But if you're unfaithful with a little, you'll, un- you'll be unfaithful with much. Some people say, well, if I, if, I, if I made more, I'd give. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, according to Jesus. Doesn't matter how much you make. There's no excuse. And those are the real deal. They're going to invest in kingdom causes, and primarily it starts at the local church level. That's parable number two. But there's one more. Matthew 25, uh-oh, is right. Because I'm telling you, I can, I can read parable one and number two. I can study parable number one and number two. And I can, I can, as a Christian, I can say, personally, I'm okay with parable number one, parable number two. I know I'm born again. There's no doubt. I have no doubt. I have a relationship with Jesus by faith. I, I'm going to see him one day, and I'm going to be glad to see him. I'm going to be glad to see him. And I've tried, and I am trying to honor him with the first fruits of all the wealth that he gives me. I'm trying. I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to do that. And, I, I, and I, I think I'm okay there. I'm not saying it's self-righteous. I'm just saying parable number one, parable number two. But parable number three, for me, the most challenging. Parable number three, verse 31, Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he'll sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, that's humanity. That's what he's talking about. People. You did it for me. And then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes. You did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You didn't look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? It did not help you. And he'll reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Wow. Wow. Here's my first thought. This parable teaches us about doing more than giving monetarily. It speaks of personal interaction with and ministry to people in need. That's the point of the parable. Personal interaction with and ministry to people in need. 
I want you to see one more section that the Lord took me to in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 adds some or sheds some light and helps us understand exactly what Jesus is talking about in parable number three. Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee having dinner. Uh, people come in and try to take the, the seats of honor. He rebukes them for that and tries to teach them, you know, to be humble and take the lowest place and let God move you up. And then, then, verse 12, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you get the impression that those aren't the kind of people at this um, dinner party at the Pharisee's house. <laughs> and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. He's talking about the heavenly banquet. Yeah, future, the reward for the righteous. The invitation goes out. Everything's ready. Verse 18, don't miss it. They all alike began to make excuses. Listen to the excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. I got to go and see it. Please excuse me. My understanding of the field, it's a field for something personal. Personal. You're going to build an extra house. You're going to do something there. It's for personal pleasure. Because the next one is the business. Next one is the business. First one said, I just bought a field. Got to go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19, another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Business is booming. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I love the third excuse. Still another said, I just got married. The honeydew list, oh, man. I just got married, so I can't come. Servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who had been invited will get a taste of my banquet. Why not? The parable teaches us about doing more than giving monetarily. It speaks of personal interaction with and ministry to people in need. And those that failed to do so were consumed with their own affairs. None of those things mentioned are sin in and of themselves. Not wrong for your business to be moving. Not wrong for you to buy a field if God gives you the means to do it and it's not against his will. Certainly not wrong to get married. These are just things in life that can tie you up and consume your time. And you end up in a routine and you miss out on the most important things. Those who failed to do so were consumed with their own affairs and as a result were excluded from the heavenly banquet. 
I'm going to tell you what. Parable number three, most challenging to me and the most convicting. And what I'm honestly asking the Lord for and what the Lord's doing in my life is I don't want to just read this stuff and I don't want to just study this stuff and I don't want to just teach this stuff. I want to do it. And if you're the real deal, you have the same heart. You have the same heart. But listen, listen, listen. We all know it. These kind of people and this kind of thing does not just happen. Even for a pastor, it doesn't just happen. And here's how I want to close. To do these things, it has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. You have to do it deliberately. You have to do it on purpose. I thought of stories like Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And it says he had to go through Samaria. That was not the normal path for the Jew. Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. Romans tells us those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Led by the Spirit. So it has to be intentional, but it ought to be Spirit-led. Spirit-led. And the Spirit was leading him because there was a needy soul there in Samaria that needed the water of life. But Jesus, listen, in going there, in going there, he crossed the lines of routine in life. No, no normal Jew would go that route. That You'd go out of your way to go around Samaria. But he had to go because the Spirit's leading him because somebody's needy there. He crossed the boundaries geographically out of the routine of life. He crossed racial boundaries. He crossed religious boundaries. It was intentional. It was intentional. And it was spirit-led. Spirit-led. And whenever we do these things, it's always sacrificial. It's always sacrificial. It's something given up for the sake of others. I'm telling you, as a pastor, as a pastor, I don't want to miss this. And I've been pastoring a long time. But you can get so caught up in just doing the the necessary, it seems, you know, and, and you miss out sometimes on the more important things. I want us as a church, I want us as a church to do these things. It doesn't have to be a ministry of the church, but I so want us to have these kind of avenues that we can point you to and say, if God's giving you a heart to do it, here's an avenue. Here's an avenue. That's why I met two hours this past week with Lionel over Haven of Rest Mission. And I asked him again, how can we help? How can we help? What can we do? They don't need a lot of volunteers, but he said, if you want a volunteer, we'll use you. They need speakers to teach the Bible. I'll be there Tuesday night teaching the Bible. Because I don't want to just, I don't want to just teach this stuff. I want to do it. I said to my wife, five o'clock Friday afternoon, I said, Hey, you want to go down to Haven of Rest and just hang out? She said, Sure. So five o'clock, we get in the car and we go down to Haven of Rest. And 530, we sat there with a bunch of homeless people and very lower social status people. And we sat there and we just sat there and listened to the Bible study. Then you can have a meal afterwards. And I'm thinking we're going to have beans and weenies. Oh, God, help me anyway. I'm going to eat it, you know. And, and we ended up not having dinner there, but we stayed during the dinner. And we went by and they showed us the dinner. I'm telling you what, that dinner was off the chart. Good. It's better than restaurants I go to and pay money. The mashed potatoes were wicked. I didn't taste them, but I could tell by looking at them. I went around, how's the mashed potatoes? Oh, yeah. They're feeding them gourmet meals there, and I commend Lionel on Haven of Rest Mission. 
That's one avenue for us maybe to go down and get involved, and we certainly want to support them. We want to support them financially. That's why we're going to help the couple in our church that have started the ministry third Sunday of every month at the Salvation Army of South St. Pete. And I want to see how more we can get involved there and more than just the third Sunday. We're going to meet with Chaplain Jay over there and say, how can we help? What can we do? So we want to have ministries of the church that we can point you and say, here's an avenue. But it doesn't have to be a ministry of the church. Listen, if we leave here and say, I don't want to get in a routine. I don't want to get caught in a rut of religious routine or a life routine. Father, Lord, would you lead me? Would you help me to notice needy people? And sometimes you've got to be careful about giving people money on the street. I get that. God's got to give us wisdom there. Sometimes the best thing to do for the person that's begging is not to give them money. I understand that. But if the Holy Spirit tells you to give it to them, give it to them. Man, I I don't want to just teach this stuff. I want to do it. It's got to be intentional. It ought to be spirit-led, and it's always sacrificial. Always sacrificial. So how do we close? Three parables. Everyone intended to help us understand how to be ready when we stand before Jesus one day, and every one of us will. Every one of us will. Every single person is going to stand in the judgment. Every single person. In the church, outside of the church, every single person. How to be ready. Am I born again? You settle that today. Settle that. Settle that today. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And you know whether you do or not. Not are you religious. Not do I attend church. Not do I believe in God. Not do I believe in Jesus. No. Have I been born again? And there's the witness of the Spirit deep within. That by faith, you have a relationship. He's done something in your life. And now He's a part of your life. Have I been born again? If I am born again, am I honoring the Lord by investing in kingdom causes? The first fruits. I believe in the tithe. I believe that's biblical. If you don't have faith for a tithe, it just means 10%. If you don't have the faith for that, get a percentage. And be faithful with that percentage, and you watch. Even if you're on, even if it doesn't make sense for you to give that money to the Lord, to the Lord through the church, you watch. You watch God care for you. You watch God take care of you. You cannot outgive God. And He wants to teach you faith, He wants to teach you to trust Him. And if you'll do that with every single paycheck, every single, I'm talking to young people. Middle-aged people, older people, if you've, never, if you've never made a routine of every paycheck honoring God with the first fruits, I believe it's 10%. If you don't have faith for the 10%, start with something and be faithful with it. And then grow with that as your faith grows. But if I'm born again, I'm going to invest. Because the one that did nothing, they're lost. That's what the parable teaches anyway. That's what it teaches. The one who did nothing, they're lost. If I'm born again... I'm going to make time to minister to and associate with people in need. I won't just get caught up in a religious routine that it's a rut. It's a rut. And listen, you're, you're in ministry full time like me. You can still get caught in that rut. I don't want to get caught in that rut. That's why I'm going to Haven of Rest. That's why I'm going to Salvation Army. That's why I'm making it a point to get out of the regular routine and try to reach out to people in need. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today to study the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. These books are the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. He came to save each person from sin. He offered himself as a sacrifice, taking the punishment your sins deserve. Today, you can have a new life because of Jesus. Are you ready to make that decision and give him your sins and accept his grace? If so, we're so happy for you, and we'd love to talk to you more about it. Please let us know by emailing us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We also want to encourage you to find a church home. Right now, we know that that's difficult, but we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for our online services. At ccfstpete.church, we live stream every Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 11, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Join Pastor Danny to learn more from the Bible and to spend time with us worshiping our Savior. You can also explore more teachings from this series and others at our website. One more time, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Know that we're praying for you. And we hope you'll join us again next time to continue studying the Gospels right here on The Living Word.